welcome to this week's edition of Worcester Talking News. Recorded on Thursday the 2nd of March and brought to you by Worcester News and Equipment for the Blind and with permission of the Worcester News. I'm Pippa Curtis and the team this week comprises John Plush as recording engineer, Carol Hartle on copying and admin and our readers today are Catherine Neal, Hello. Phil Lee. Hello. And Jane Fares. Hello. I'd like to extend a warm welcome to any new listeners and hope you enjoy our recording. As always, we will include, first of all, a list of useful telephone numbers, then what's on in the local theatres, etc., followed by the headline stories, a selection of general news stories, some sport, and then finishing up with a thought for the week, sunrise and sunset times, and, of course, the birthday file. If we don't have a record of your birthday and you'd like to be included, please do get in touch and we can add it to the file. Obituaries are now recorded after the closing music. We do like to hear from you, so if you have any comments or problems, a message can be left on the answer phone on 01905 767 766 or alternatively, just put a note in your wallet. Finally, the service is free to users, but if you'd like to make a donation, it can be sent to Colin Chance House, Wilds Lane, Worcester, WR5, 1DA. And many thanks to Barbara Moss, who's just made a recent donation. So let's start this week with the telephone numbers, which Jane is going to supply. Talking newspapers, Colin Chance House. Telephone numbers 01905 767766. Listeners should be aware that this is not manned daily and need to be patient if a reply is required. Police, non-emergency, 101. NHS Direct, 111. Out of hours medical assistance, 0300 123 3211 between 6 and 8pm. Crime Stoppers, 0800 555 111. Worcester Hub, 01905 765 765. Worcestershire County Council here to help, 01905 768053, option 3. Community Risk Team, Fire Safety, 0800 032 1155. Domestic Abuse Helpline 0800 980 Sense Adventures Walking for the Visually Impaired D. Jones 01684 891 297 or 07920 or www .co.uk Samaritans 116123 <coughs> Worcester Live 01905 611427 Malvern Theatres 01684 892277 Worcester Wheels for Transport 01905 450654 8.30am to 4.30pm. Link Nurseries at Poic have a session for visually impaired on Friday mornings. Telephone 01905 831 881 for more information. 
Thank you very much. So, what's on at the moment? We'll start this week over in Malvern, with a couple of shows coming up at the theatre. First off, from Tuesday the 7th of March to Saturday the 11th, the Festival Theatre is showing Alan Akebourne's comedy Relatively Speaking. It stars Lisa Goddard, Stephen Pacey and Anthony Eden. Shows are at 7.30pm, plus matinees on Wednesday, Thursday and Saturday at 2.30pm. Tickets range from £30 to £45. From Tuesday the 21st to Saturday the 25th, the theatre is home to the musical Fisherman's Friends, based on the true story of the chart-topping Cornish singing sensations and their 2019 film. I know that tickets are very limited, but there is still some availability. Contact the box office on 01684 892 277 for more details. Something a bit different now. If you're a fan of brass band music, then head down to Worcester's Guildhall on Friday the 17th of March at 7.30pm, where Worcester's Concert Brass will be performing. It's the Mayor's Charity Concert and tickets cost just £10. Advance notice now of a performance of Bach's St John's Passion taking place at Worcester Cathedral on Friday, March the 31st at 7.30pm. An array of guest soloists will join Worcester Cathedral Choir for this powerful musical composition. Tickets can be booked online through eventbrite.co.uk. And finally, at the Swan Theatre Worcester, from Thursday the 9th of March to Saturday the 11th, the Young Rep Company are putting on a brand new play called Samphire. It's a complex story about those who are at the wrong end of money, fortune and the wars they have to fight in order to survive. Book tickets through the box office on 01905 611 427. OK, we'll move now on to the headline stories and Catherine will begin first of all reading the headlines for the whole week and then kick off with the story from last Thursday. Friday, actually. Yes, That's right, yeah. OK, so the headlines this week have been, on Friday, February the 24th, arrests after city centre robbery spree. Saturday's headline was Shop to Shut. The popular Gwillem's Farm <coughs> outlet is closing. On Monday, the headline was Major plea to seize six ways. Council investigates land grab from new owners. On Tuesday, February the 28th, the headline was Standoff at Leisure Centre. Travellers to be moved on as soon as possible. Wednesday's headline was Two are charged after man found hurt. And Thursday's headline is Lives at Risk, Rough Sleeper Calls for Cold Weather Help to Come Sooner. So, last Friday's headline story was Arrests After City Centre Robbery Spree. Two 15-year-olds carried out a rampage of violence and thefts while armed with a knife in the city centre. They've been arrested after a spate of robberies and assaults took place in and near Worcester city centre, while hundreds visited for light night. The teenagers, both male and aged 15, have been arrested on the suspicion of robbery and assault. During their two-hour rampage, it's alleged one 15-year-old grabbed a man by his throat before stealing his wallet in Holywell Hill in St John's at around 8pm. About 15 minutes later... They threatened another man as he withdrew cash from an ATM on Grandstand Road. The pair also stole cash from a third man after they assaulted him in Shrub Hill Retail Park at around 9.20pm. 
and at around 9.30pm to 10pm, the young thugs also verbally threatened a group who were also at the retail park. Another man was left ambushed and kicked in the stomach in St Martin's Quarter in Silver Street. Shortly after the incidents were reported, officers carried out a search, <coughs> a search of the area and as a result, two 15-year-old boys were arrested on suspicion of robbery in possession of a bladed article. Both remain in police custody. Detective Inspector Sharon Wallace said, I'd like to thank the public for their help in providing descriptions of two suspects reported to have assaulted and robbed a number of people in Worcester City Centre last night. Officers responded swiftly to the area and arrested two teenage boys on suspicion of robbery and assault. They both remain in police custody. I'm continuing to appeal for information and witnesses to these incidents and would like to ask anyone who may have been in the city centre and saw anything untoward or captured dash cam or CCTV footage of the incidents to please get in contact with us. Information can be reported to police by calling 101 quoting reference 605i of the 22nd of February 2023, or report online via our website here. OK, Saturday's story was shop to shut. Family farm shop closes. The owners of a prominent farm shop in Worcester have announced its closure with a heavy heart. Willem's Farm Shop in Ombersley Road in Beveray has been a well-known business in Worcester for the past 33 years and the farm has been worked by Mary and Neville Gwillem since 1963. A spokesperson said, It is with a heavy heart that we inform you all that Gwillem's Farm Shop will close its doors at 4pm on Saturday, March 11th, 2023, for the final time. We would like to thank all our customers and our loyal, long-serving staff for a wonderful 33 years and wish them well for the future. Many people have gone on Facebook to share their sadness about the news. The farm shop's neighbour, the Fish Emporium Worcester, has thanked the shop for helping it throughout the years. A spokesperson said, Some of you may have heard that Gwillem's farm shop is closing for business. Unfortunately, this is true, and we want to take this time to wish the Gwillem family well and all their staff all the very best for the future. I would like to thank Mr and Mrs Gwillem for allowing me to set up my business, the Fish Emporium, next door to the farm shop nearly six years ago now. The fishmongers has said despite its neighbour's closure, it will stay open for business and trading hours have not changed. Last August, the farm was hit by a big fire. Three fire crews from Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service attended the scene and roughly four acres of crops were destroyed. The burnt crops were later valued at around two to £3,000. Gwillem's Farm Shop in Beveray, Worcester is a historic name in the area and the land on which it stands has been worked by Mary and Neville Gwillem since 1963. At the time, Adam Gwillem said, the fire has caused a huge amount of distress to the family. But it's not about the money. We've been welcoming people into our farm to educate them more about what we do, and we're trying to help the local community. And then we get news like this. The shop is on the Gwillem's farm site. And this is about a council, a six ways land grab. The council is to investigate ways it could push to secure the future, uh, the future of the Six Ways site in a land grab from its new owners following a call by the city's mayor. 
Councillor Adrian Gregson, the Mayor of Worcester, proposed making a direct plea to neighbouring bosses at Witchhaven District Council to look at using its compulsory purchase order powers to seize the land at six ways on the edge of Worcester from its new owner's atlas to ensure its future is secure. Worcester Warriors were set to return to Six Ways next year in a controversial deal with Stourbridge Rugby Football Club, but new owners, Atlas, say Wasps have agreed to play at the stadium. The club went into administration last September, but was bought earlier this month by a consortium led by former Chief Executive Jim O'Toole and former player James Sandford. The city's mayor made the call in the Guild Hall this week over his remaining concerns at the situation at Worcester Warriors following last week's meeting between the new owners and more than 500 fans. Councillor Gregson said, I still say there are concerns about what what we're aiming for, a high level of rugby, means about the nature of any agreement with WASPs and what that entails and how long for. I think there remain concerns about Stourbridge, who are clearly in a predicament themselves, and the fundamental issue of the need for a fit and proper owner or partner, which the Rugby Football Union, the RFU, clearly do not see in Atlas, otherwise they would have accepted the earlier proposals. With those remaining questions about funders and motives... I believe that safeguarding the future of the site is of paramount importance. He said he was not asking Worcester City Council to secure the site, as it does not have the power to anyway, or instructing Witchhaven District Council to buy it instead, but asked council bosses to consider using their powers to make the future of the site clear and permanent. Councillors eventually passed a heavily amended motion for the Council's Key Decision-Making Policy and Resources Committee to look into and then decide how the City Council could proceed. Despite receiving support from the councillors, City Council leader, Councillor Chris Mitchell, said he had no question over the Mayor's intent but felt the move was a bit sledgehammerish. Councillor Mitchell said it was purely a courtesy thing, as he was a bit uneasy, immediately calling for purchase orders. I don't disagree with you, I just don't want to put the backs up of Witchhaven District Council who get the letter and say, who the hell do Worcester think they are, he said. And the headline for Tuesday, February the 28th. Standoff at Leisure Centre. Travellers to be moved on. Travellers who have set up camp on a leisure centre car park will be moved as soon as possible, according to the City Council. Caravans have been at Purdiswell Leisure Centre car park since Sunday after a tense standoff with police. There are currently 11 large camper vans parked in the car park off Bilford Road near the playing fields. Washing lines were also set up on the grass and children could be seen playing between the vehicles. Worcester City Council said the encampment was unauthorised and the Leisure Centre, run by Freedom Leisure, remains open. The council is working alongside police to remove the travellers off the car park. A spokesperson said, 
The presence of the travellers at Perdiswell Leisure Centre car park is unauthorised. We are working with the police to monitor the site and we will use our powers to ensure the travellers are moved on as soon as possible. The leisure centre remains open as normal, allowing customers to use the pool and the other excellent facilities. Worried leisure centre members rushed into reception to tell staff caravans were making their way onto the car park on Sunday. After the entrance was blocked by police and caravans and large queues of traffic built on on the Bilford Road, officers removed their vans to allow people trapped in the car park to exit. As officers allowed leisure centre members' cars to leave the site, it led to more caravans making their way onto the land. Employees at Perdiswell Leisure Centre on Bilford Road told the Worcester News they were shocked and scared as worried customers came to report the convoy. Travellers began arriving at 2.30pm with police swiftly following to prevent a breach of the peace. A resident on Bilford Road said, I didn't see much of the police incident, but the traffic was along Bilford Road. Classes and lessons are on as normal at the leisure centre, which remains open with all facilities available as normal. Eight police cars, two police vans and around a dozen officers were at the leisure centre car park during the incident. Right, so the headline story for Wednesday, March the 1st was Two are charged after man found hurt. A man and a woman have been charged after a man was found in a critical condition in the early hours of the morning in a Worcester estate. Ross Morgan and Jennifer Buckley appeared at Kidderminster Magistrates Court on Tuesday morning. Morgan, of Exeter Road, Ronxwood, has been charged with grievous bodily harm, possession of a bladed article and assaulting a police officer. Buckley, also of Exeter Road, has been charged with grievous bodily harm. An alleged assault took place at around 5am on Sunday, February the 26th in Exeter Road. A 29-year-old was left with serious injuries and still remains in hospital in a serious condition. The pair have been remanded until Monday, April the 3rd. West Mercia Police are urging anyone who may have more information to come forward. A police spokesperson said anyone with information can get in contact with police on 01905 331237, quoting reference 00119-I-260220023. Alternatively, information can be passed anonymously to Crime Stoppers on 0800 555 111 or by visiting www.crimestoppers-org.uk. Crime Stoppers is 100% confidential. Shocked neighbours in Ronxwood said they were concerned when they woke up to a large police presence outside their homes. Police officers were seen looking in bins and police dogs were sniffling along hedges as marked and unmarked police cars and vans filled the streets. Other officers, wearing white suits and face masks, could also be seen going in and out of flats on the road, while police tape was placed across a gate. Officers were going door-to-door along the streets, asking people if they saw anything and if they have any CCTV which may help their investigation. A couple sleeping in their living room for health reasons said they woke up to noises and flashing lights everywhere. They added they saw seven police cars, two ambulances and a large number of police at 5am. 
One eyewitness said, I drove past with my wife earlier, and that's when we saw one of the police dogs sniffing around the hedges. Another resident said an officer came round asking if they saw anything and if they can check the CCTV footage from their house. Thursday, March the 2nd now, the headline was Lives at Risk. A rough sleeper said people could lose their lives on the streets due to emergency protocols not being strict enough. Neil Hanover, 53, claims up to a dozen homeless people have no other option but to set up their sleeping bags and their duvets on the city streets. Workers from Severe Weather Emergency Protocol, SWEP, are called out when temperatures plummet to zero degrees Celsius or below and offer accommodation for the night. But Mr Hanover said he and other rough sleepers feel the benchmark for action should be raised from 0 degrees Celsius to 4 degrees. SWEP is not being called, and it should be. That is the gripe we have. Other people have been sleeping with two or three duvets during the night because it's freezing. I have a sleeping bag, and it's a summer one. It costs about 18 to £20, pounds and it's a bit thinner, but I can't afford to get a new one. It makes me angry and frustrated. It's easy to lose your positivity, but I see something at the end of this rainbow. He said homeless charity Caring for Communities and People, CCP, and homeless shelter Mag's Day Centre will not call SWEP unless temperatures reach 0 degrees Celsius in order to stay within the guidelines given by the Met Office. Mr Hanover has been sleeping rough since November and said people lose their lives when they sleep on the streets, and that's the reason SWEP is called, because the streets are not fit for people to sleep, but the threshold should definitely be higher. People could die. Mr Hanover lived in France for six years, but his life took a drastic turn when he was made homeless when he arrived back in the UK. He ended up in Worcester in pursuit of his mother, who used to live in Bromsgrove, but he was left homeless when he realised she no longer lived at that address and he didn't have the money or the resources to find her. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, Outreach teams contact rough sleepers and encourage them to make use of the shelters. Since November 1st last year, SWEP has been open for 32 nights. During that time, 38 people have been supported. Of those people, only four are known to be still sleeping rough and work is continuing to find options for them. The council said there are a wide range of services available when SWEP is not in operation. The spokesperson added... The City Council has recently adopted a new homelessness and rough sleeping strategy that aims to end homelessness and rough sleeping and, where it has not been possible to prevent it from occurring, to ensure that it is rare, brief and does not reoccur. And here are some other stories from the paper this week. Marriage and Divorce. Marriage and Divorce Statistics for Worcester have been published by the Office for National Statistics. The figures have been published by the Office for National Statistics from the 2021 census. The data consists of the proportion of people aged 16 and over in local authorities in England and Wales who are either married, divorced or were formerly in a civil partnership. According to the data, 43.9% of Worcester's over-16 population is married approximately 85,614 people. The figures also show that 10.5% of the over-16 population 
were either divorced or were formerly in a civil partnership, approximately 8,989. There was a total population of 103,900 in Worcester, according to the 2021 census, with 85,614 over the age of 16. These stats make the city the sixth most densely populated of the West Midlands, 30 local authorities. This equates to around 22 people living on each football pitch-sized area of land. In comparison to other local areas, Witchhaven had almost half, 49.1% of its population over the age of 16 that was married, 54,232, which equates to 83.5% of the demographic population. The data also shows that 9.3% of the Witchhaven population are divorced, 10,289, which equates to 83.5% of the population demographic. As for the Morven Hills, 48.2% of the Morven Hills over 16 population is married, approximately 32,380 people. The data also shows that 8.8% of the population over the age of 16 is divorced, approximately 5,912 people. Out of all the data provided, Harrow had the highest population percentage of married people, with 54.8%. Norwich had the highest population percentage of divorced people, at 12.8%. The data also shows that nearly 4 in 10 adults in England and Wales have never been married or been in a civil partnership, up to... Um, from 3 in 10 at the start of the century. The figure has risen steadily over the recent decades, from 26.3% in 1991 to 30.1% in 2001 and uh, sorry, 34.6% in 2011, reaching 37.9% on the day of the latest census in March 21st 2021. The Office for National Statistics is a non-ministerial department which reports directly to the UK Parliament and it's the largest independent producer of official statistics and the recognised National Statistical Institute of the UK. The Princess Royal visited a Worcester business this week. Princess Anne went to Greenlighting Limited at Great Western Business Park. She was given a police escort on her way to the business in Tolodyne, which has been supplying lighting, safety alarms and electrical accessories to new house builders for over 20 years. The company has won the Queen's Award for Enterprise twice and received the Princess Royal Training Award in 2016. Anthony Otway, MD of GL, said, It was an absolute honour and privilege to welcome Princess Anne to GL, Everyone was thrilled to be part of her visit. Having been awarded the Princess Royal Training Award several years ago, it was lovely to hear that she remembered us and was keen to learn more about how the company has developed since then. The Princess Royal was also set to visit Specsavers Group at Vision Labs in Kidderminster and Agritech Research Centre at Pershaw College. Right.
<clears throat> a judge said a 19-year-old had used up his last chance as he sent him to jail. Ethy Perry of James Drive, Evesham, and previously of North End, Pinvin, Pershaw, was given a suspended jail sentence, but within weeks had reoffended, police catching him with a knife in a car he had no licence to drive. Perry, who brought a bag to court, gave no reaction, as his honour, Judge James Burbage, KC, Worcester's most senior judge, said he had no choice other than to send him to prison. Chloe Appleby, prosecuting, reminded the judge he gave Perry the suspended sentence for using counterfeit cash in April last year. Perry used fake £50 notes, which had printed on them movie use only, to pay for a car and mobile phone. Miss Appleby said on June the 6th last year, police stopped an Audi A3 in Gosney, Gosney Fields, Pinbin. The prosecutor said... Checks were made on the vehicle and it was found Perry had no licence, so was uninsured to drive it. The vehicle was searched, Miss Appleby said, a knife was found. The prosecutor added Perry had three convictions for five offences. Jason Smith, the court liaison probation officer, said Perry's compliance with the requirements of his suspended sentence order was mixed as he had failed to attend unpaid work appointments. Perry had admitted no licence and no insurance, but had originally denied the knife offence, being convicted after a trial. Mahan Manu, defending, said the knife was in the rear passenger footwell, placed there by his father and used to cut tape to hold up an electric window. The magistrates did not find that was a reasonable excuse. Mr Manu said he said Perry had missed unpaid work appointments due to rail strikes, but the judge rejected this, describing them as excuses. My strongest argument for it being unjust is the offences before the court are dissimilar to the dishonesty matter, Mr Manu said. He's not offended since June. Judge Burbage said, I'm afraid there can only be one sentence. You pose a risk to the public... You were prepared to drive a motor car, having never passed a test. Judge Burbage also said he was sceptical about the knife explanation given to the court. The judge jailed Perry for a total of ten months. Six penalty points were also added to Perry's licence. Thanks, Catherine. NHS trust apology for, quote, gross failings. This is a story from Monday's newspaper. An NHS trust has apologised to the family of a Worcestershire woman who killed herself after gross failings. A coroner overseeing the inquest of Charlotte Comer said failings by Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care NHS Trust contributed to the death of the 30-year-old from Earls Croom. Worcestershire senior coroner David Reed recorded a verdict that Miss Comer died of an overdose with her family by her bedside at Worcestershire Royal Hospital on July 20th, 2021, having taken the overdose the day before. The number of care coordinators who oversaw Miss Comer's care, that the trust had not focused on Miss Comer's body dysmorphic disorder, where a person spends a lot of time worrying about their appearance, and the loss of hope after being told a referral to the Priory for specialist care had been paused, were found by the coroner to be key factors why Miss Comer took the overdose. A statement from Herefordshire and Worcestershire Health and Care Trust said, 
We accept the coroner's findings and apologise unreservedly to Charlotte's family and her friends for the failings identified at the inquest which may have contributed to her death. Following an internal review, we have introduced new processes for funding arrangements and made significant changes to the structure of the care coordinator role. As a result, care coordinator caseload sizes are now always within the national guidelines. We have also seen an increase in staff retention, with patients now supported by a consistent care coordinator or key worker who is familiar with their care. While we deeply regret the failings in Charlotte's case, it is important that anyone in Herefordshire and Worcestershire struggling with their mental health continues to access the support available locally. This includes help with common symptoms such as depression and anxiety, more specialist support for complex conditions and urgent help for anyone experiencing a mental health crisis. Miss Comer's sister, Mo Knight Evans, said, We want to make sure a tragedy like this doesn't happen again to other families with loved ones struggling with BDD. Piston Gin which was based at the Royal Porcelain Works in Worcester before relocating to Cheltenham, has put forward a planning application to move to Diglis and open a flagship store. The plans include opening a small batch gin distillery, gin school and shop at the Danks to form a boathouse in Diglis Basin off Diglis Road. The distillery opened at the Royal Porcelain Works in 2018 before reopening at a unit in Staverton near Cheltenham last September after a move to Worcester's Cathedral Square fell through, scuppering a chance to remain in the city, well, at least for the moment. The company said it had no intention of leaving Worcester permanently and had continued to search for a suitable base in the city for its flagship store. Piston Gin now has the means to produce more than 3,500 bottles a week at its Cheltenham premises, following a recent rollout across Canada and the US. The new base in Diglis will allow Piston to continue to host its popular, albeit bigger, gin classes, which include cocktail masterclasses and distilling sessions, as well as producing small batches of gins. The planned move has now been made formal by a submission of a planning application to Worcester's City Council. A statement included with the application said the business has grown due to the popularity of the brand and its product. As such, Large-scale production is now being carried off-site at an out-of-town commercial unit, but there remains a desire to retain the gin classes and small-batch production within the city's company, Home City. The proposal would support the expansion of a local business by providing new premises from which to operate supporting seven full-time employees. A plan to open a taproom at the former Diglis Boathouse, which has been empty for a number of years, was approved by the council planners at the end of 2019, but never came to fruition. The empty boathouse was intended as a restaurant, as part of the regeneration of Diglis Marina, approved by the council in 2004, but remained empty. You can have your say on the plan by visiting Worcester City Council's website, and the application number is 23 forward slash 
forward slash F-U-L, that's capital letters, and consultation <coughs> ends on March the 15th. OK, so we're familiar with uh, dogs visiting old people's homes, but uh, this is a different story completely, and it's accompanied by a wonderful picture of one of the residents of the care home stroking an alpaca in her bedroom. I'll read on. A Worcester care home marked its 10th anniversary by having special furry guests pay residents a visit. Latimer Court, which was opened in February 2013, welcomed the Cotswold Vale alpaca experience to the home. Residents were able to pet the friendly mammals and those who couldn't make it downstairs were also treated to a visit from the alpaca in their bedroom. Donna Tustin, general manager at Latimer Court, said that the residents, team and some family members celebrated in style. The residents really enjoyed seeing the alpaca, she said, and can't wait to see them again. Thank you so much to Cotswold Vale Alpaca Experience. And this visit was followed by live entertainment in the afternoon with a good old sing-along and a delicious slice of cake to end the day. It was a perfect end to a brilliant day. The care home was opened in 2013 by Cecil Duckworth, chairman of Worcester Warriors and founder of the Duckworth Worcestershire Trust Charity. That's a nice story. Thank you, Pippa. And here's another feel-good story. Ukulele players unite for charity. And there's a lovely picture of about 30 people, all most of them very brightly dressed, playing the ukulele in the centre of Worcester. A four-hour buskathon by Worcester Ukulele Club raised more than £800 for Acorns Children Hospice. Dedicated museums held the event at the Crowngate Shopping Centre to help launch their fundraising campaign for their chosen charity of the year. The group of 40 ukulele players performed in shifts from 11am to 3pm on Saturday, February 25th to keep shoppers entertained with jolly playing and singing. While the ukulele players performed, the bucketeers, which included one dressed as a bee and another as a ladybird, held buckets and danced and sang along with them. Worcester Ukulele Ukulele Club chairman Rob Phillips said, despite some very cold conditions, Worcester Ukulele Club got stuck in to a great start to their Acorns fundraising campaign 2023. We raised over £800 at our stint in Bell Square, Worcester, thanks to the generosity of the public. Well done all our members who braved the cold and played enthusiastically. And special thanks to all our bucket rattlers who engaged with the public. Thank you, everyone. We would like to thank everyone who kindly donated money and Crowngate staff for their help. The Mayor of Worcester, Councillor Adrian Gregson, visited the players in Bell Square. He picked up a ukulele and joined the strummers. Last year, Worcester Ukulele Club collected almost £14,000 for Pancreatic Cancer UK. This money was the result of 85 gigs performed by the club's players over 12 months. It brought the total of cash raised for different charities by the ukulele group to an astonishing £82,322 since 2013. It's remarkable, isn't it? Right, something a little more serious. Debate on impact of city air quality. A debate on the issue of air quality in the city rounded up a week of activities dedicated to sustainability and held at the University of Worcester. The debate, held as part of the university's long-standing Go Green Week, 
and open to the community featured representatives from Worcestershire Regulatory Services, First Bus, the health sector and the university, as well as Lord Victor Adibawali, CBE, Chair of the NHS Confederation. The panel discussed air quality in the city and the impact this has had on health. Questions focused on problems with air pollution in certain parts of Worcester and its effect on private student housing, moving between campuses and wider issues around sustainable travel. Matthew Fung, public health consultant at Worcestershire County Council, said air quality had been improving virtually year on year up until the current year, and that since the 1960s, but there were issues that needed to be addressed. Katie Boom, Director of Sustainability at the University, stressed the importance of collating student and staff travel habits in order for the university to advocate on their behalf, showing external transport operators demand for certain services. She added, none of these things are going to be easy for any of us to fix. The good point is that now everybody is having conversations and getting upskilled. Speaking after the discussion, panellist Joe Newton, Executive Director of Strategy, Improvement and Planning at Worcestershire Acute Hospitals NHS Trust, said, I think it has been demonstrated today that improving air quality is not just a single organisation problem. It's a population issue and therefore needs a partnership approach. And that's what's really encouraging, to be able to get the panel together today from different representative groups to identify the impact so that we can work on to try and improve things for students and the wider population. Our purpose as a healthcare provider is putting our patients first, and we know the health benefits that can come from improved air quality for our population as a whole. In particular, though, for children and young people, as well as people living with long-term health conditions like asthma. Lord Adebowale added, I think it's great that we're having this debate. It shows leadership. Universities are the engines of the future, and young people are that future. So if they don't do it, we're all in trouble. Go Green Week featured more than 70 activities during the week, both in person and online, led by first-year environmental management and sustainability students in collaboration with Worcestershire Students' Union. Activities were around a different theme each day, nature and biodiversity, food and well-being, the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, reusing and repairing, and transport. Attendees could take home a plant or bird feeder, make a hedgehog house, sample vegan food and get advice on reducing food waste. A range of organisations, small local businesses and volunteers all contributed. Ms Boom said, The week proved an enormous success with many staff and students getting involved and learning about how to increase their sustainability. The event continues to grow year on year. The university is responsible for nurturing the next generation and we are committed to ensuring that not only do we set an example to our students, but we send them out into the world with a knowledge of sustainability. And for my story, we're back in court. A 41-year-old man has been found guilty of pushing and slapping his wife. Rafael Kwiklinski never admitted his guilt and put his wife through a trial at Worcester Magistrates Court. Jim Mason, prosecuting, said Kwiklinski of Newton Road, Worcester, committed the offences after an argument over domestic chores. He called the victim, 
Yulina Kuklinski to the witness box, and she told the magistrates the push and slap to her face took place at their Worcester home on October the 16th last year, after he had been drinking. I'm afraid of him when he's drunk, she told the court. Kuklinski, who defended himself, said there had been an argument that morning and said there'd been no physical contact between himself and his wife. I didn't push her. I didn't slap her, Kuklinski told the court. Magistrates took 40 minutes to find Kuklinski guilty. Russell Williams, chairman of the magistrates' bench, said Mrs Kuklinski's evidence was consistent and her version never waved. The, I think it means wavered, um, the defendant's evidence, and there were gaps in his memory, which we believe was due to the amount of alcohol consumed, we find you guilty of assault by beating beyond reasonable doubt. At the end of the trial, it was revealed to the magistrates that Quiglincy had previously admitted breaching a non-molestation order and criminal damage. Mr Mason said the order was made after the assault incident. He went to her home, broke in and caused criminal damage. Those crimes took place in December last year. Mr Mason added Quiglincy had one previous conviction for malicious communications. The chairman told Kuklinski they were going to adjourn all three matters for a pre-sentence report. Kuklinski was told to return to the court on March the 21st for his sentencing. He was given conditional bail with conditions of not to contact the victim directly or indirectly and not to go into Worcester, the, sorry, not to go into the Worcester street where the victim lives. The purpose of these conditions is to make sure she is safe, the chairman added. The case was heard on Monday, February the 27th. A sign that is supposed to direct people towards Worcester Cathedral is facing the wrong way. The sign on the corner of Commandry Road and London Road has an arrow directing people down Commandry Road and onto Bath Road. But the iconic city landmark is in another direction. Councillor Lynn Denham, who is Worcester City Councillor for Cathedral Ward, said it was important to point tourists in the correct direction when they visit the city. She said, we should not be misleading tourists. We should be pointing them in the right direction to find the cathedral. Councillor Denham visited the area on Friday to check the signs after first being made aware of issues before Christmas. She said... Before Christmas, I was approached by some local residents that said they had noticed some signs facing the wrong direction. A resident said they'd approached the city council but not, had not had a reply, so I picked up on that and I've been in touch with the officers involved in the city centre and tourism. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council acknowledged that the sign needed adjusting. They said... These finger posts are designed in a way to allow an element of movement to make them more robust if accidentally knocked. We are aware that this sign does need adjusting and we are arranging for this work to be done as soon as possible. Thank you, Pippa. So a few more what's on uh, items, um, particularly centering around one particular church. A jazz cafe is taking place at Wood Green Church in Hastings Drive in Warnden Villages on Friday, March the 24th. The event offers live jazz, posh burgers and a mobile bar between 7.30 and 9.30pm. On, 
On Saturday, March the 25th, between 3pm and 5pm, there is a seniors spring tea. And the same day, there is a quiz and curry evening between 7.30 and 9.30pm. On Sunday, March the 26th, between 9.30 and 12.30, there is a meeting on Why Does God Allow Wars? An Easter Day celebration service takes place on Sunday, April the 9th, between 9.30 and 11.30 a.m. You'll have noticed I've been reading some serious stories, but this one's slightly different, I suppose, although just as serious to the lady concerned. It's headed, Bring Home the Bacon. A hungry woman nearly ate a crisp, which could be worth £100,000 as she tucked into a bag of walkers while watching television. Kayleigh Hemming from Ronxwood is now anxiously awaiting to find out whether she's won the £100,000 after finding a heart-shaped crisp in a packet of smoky bacon crisps. Crisp manufacturer Walkers is giving away this 100000 to whoever finds the best heart-shaped specimen in its standard bags. I didn't know anything about this, did you? I could have, eat, I could have eaten one. I could have eaten one. The competition started in January and is running for two months. The manufacturer says heart-shaped crisps can be found in its packs because of the natural shape of the British potatoes it uses. She found the crisp while digging into some snacks while watching telly on Friday night, February the 24th. She'd bought a multi-pack from Tesco in Warnden Villages and was tucking in when she spotted it. I could have eaten it, she said. I wasn't really looking at it. I just held it up and I was like, oh my days, and I rang my sister straight away to see if she thought it was a heart shape. The competition has gone viral on social media, we're not surprised are we, with videos of people eating the crisps gaining many views. But Miss Hemming's crisp had been locked and stored in a lunchbox for safekeeping out of fear of her breaking it. Mrs Hemming, Miss Hemming rather added, it would be life changing if I won the money, it would be really nice. I would help my family and it would be nice to give back and help them. Everyone out there with heart-shaped crisps probably feels the same. When asked if she thinks she will win the 100,000, she said, I've seen quite a few of the crisps and they are good, so I don't want to get my hopes up. On the side, there is a bit... Oh, she means on the side of the crisps. On the side, there is a bit which comes out more, so it's not symmetrical, but others are different shapes, so it is hard to say. Miss Hemming added, smoky bacon would definitely be her new favourite flavour of crisps if she won. Mm, only if there's heart-shaped ones, if, if there's, yes. yes. And now there's a key meeting on a project. A major new redevelopment project will, de- will be discussed at an important meeting behind closed doors about affordable housing. The £150 million Sheriff's Gate development with construction already underway will be the subject of a meeting in Worcester. When completed, the development will include hundreds of new apartments, a hotel, gym, multi-storey car park and shops for food and drink as well as a multi-screen cinema. Billed as one of the largest mixed-use developments ever to be undertaken in Worcester, the project will create 650 homes. The scheme will be discussed at a closed meeting, Worcester City Council Policy and Resources Committee at Worcester Guild Hall in the High Street at 7pm. The first part of the meeting will allow public representations up to a total of 15 minutes with each speaker being allocated a maximum of five minutes. However, part two will be held in private. 
for discussion and decision. There's only one item on the agenda, to consider a proposal for the acquisition of properties to be let as affordable housing. A spokesperson for Sheriff's Gate Developments said ahead of the meeting, the consequences of this meeting cannot be over-exaggerated. It's of huge significance for Worcester, its residents and particularly for those in dire need of affordable housing. The proposal to be discussed would secure the delivery of 392 affordable homes at Sheriff's Gate, comprising a mix of one- and two-bed city centre properties, that's out of the 650 homes, which are most needed in affordable homes in Worcester and will crucially meet the whole year's requirement for Worcester City Council in a single agreement. Current project at Sheriff's Gate forms part of a major regeneration scheme at Worcester, Worcester in Worcester, adjacent to Shrub Hill train station. The spokesperson added, the scheme presents Worcester City Council with the opportunity to positively respond and proactively address an issue which is high on the public agenda and costing the council a substantial amount of money in temporary housing and hotel accommodation every year. The proposal responds to the city's shortage of affordable housing, as highlighted in the report by ARK in 2022. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council declined to comment. A manhunt is continuing for a drug dealer who has had his lenient sentence increased on appeal. O'Neill Pendley, a drug dealer who was operating inside Fort Royal Park in Worcester, remains at large as city officers urged him to hand himself in. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they say they continue their work to make the city a no-go area for dealers. He was supposed to hand himself in by Sunday, February the 19th, but more than a week on, he has yet to do so. DC Jason Atkins said, We have the West Midlands Police actively out looking for him, but he has not been located as of yet. Pendley was jailed for two years and ten months for dealing drugs in Worcester, but walked free the same day because of time spent on remand. His co-defendant was found in possession of 62 wraps of heroin and 111 wraps of crack cocaine, street value £1,730. This month, Pendley is facing longer behind bars after this original sentence, last December, was deemed too lenient by an appeal judge in London. Officers from South Worcestershire Proactive CID raised concerns about the leniency of the sentence at Worcester Crown Court on Friday, February the 17th. These concerns were upheld on appeal in London. Pendley had been involved in dealing drugs in Fort Royal Park in Worcester. We reported last December how Pendley, 29 of Capstone Avenue, Birmingham, was charged with possession with intent to supply Class A drugs. However, he pleaded guilty to being concerned in the supply of those drugs. On Friday the 18th of October 2019, Pendley was stopped for the purpose of a search in Fort Royal Park, Worcester, by plainclothes detectives from the South Worcestershire Proactive CID County Lines team following an interaction with a known drug user. Pendley had two previous Class A drug supply convictions and committed this offence while on licence. On Friday, February 17th, DC Jason Atkins, the officer in case, attended the Royal Courts of Justice in London where the case was heard. DC Atkins said the original sentencing was found to be unduly lenient and he was resentenced to six years and three months. 
As he was not in custody and did not attend, he was given until 4pm on February the 19th to hand himself into Berry Bar, sorry, Perry Bar custody block and be taken to prison to serve the rest of his sentence. However, he did not hand himself in and a warrant for his arrest was issued. Right. <clears throat> well, another crime story, I'm afraid. A 47-year-old prolific thief's chances ran out as he was jailed for stealing coats worth hundreds of pounds. Magistrates heard Robert Gibson, Warm Street Court, Key Street, Worcester, stole the coats to sell them as he was struggling financially just before Christmas. But magistrates still decided to jail him as he ignored previous warnings he would be sent to custody if he re-offended. Fatima Yasmin, prosecuting, said Gibson selected a coat from House of Fraser worth £400, concealing it in a bag before walking out of the Crowngate shopping centre store. That theft took place on December the 17th, and just four days later, Gibson was stealing again, this time from St Peter's Garden Centre, where he took two coats worth £200, hiding one under his own coat on his arm. The other was placed in a bag, and Gibson accessed a rear part of the Norton Road Base Centre before throwing the bag over a fence. Ms Yasmin said Gibson was in breach of the suspended sentence given to him last September, 18 weeks suspended for two years. We covered that case in which magistrates heard Gibson stole a golf club and went on a Waitrose trolley dash stealing spree last August. The prosecutor added Gibson, who suffered with a heroin addiction for a number of years, committed more than 120 theft offences. Mark Turnbull, defending, highlighted the dates, pointing out they were just before Christmas. The solicitor said Gibson had succumbed to temptation as it was a few days before he received his benefits and he was struggling financially. Mr Turnbull also conceded that Gibson <coughs> had lost contact with the probation service when he was meant to be attending appointments as part of his order. Mr Turnbull said it was because Gibson suffered with his mental health and with depression in recent months. Magistrates left the court for deliberations, returning more than half an hour later. When they returned, Dr Caris Clark, chairman of the magistrates' bench, said they decided to activate the suspended sentence. The chairman said he would receive eight weeks for each offence to run concurrently and explained in total Gibson would go to prison for 26 weeks. Gibson was ordered to pay £400 compensation to House of Fraser and 200 to St Peter's Garden Centre. He was also told to pay £154 victim surcharge. The £754 in total was added to the more than £3,000 he already owes. Viral TikTok of Doodles. A viral Worcester Cathedral TikTok video shows doodles drawn by monks which date back to the 14th century. The video, posted four months ago, has now amassed approximately 49,600 likes and has been viewed over 301,000 times. In the video, it is explained that the books used are university textbooks which monks use to revise for exams. The doodles are believed to have been study aids which helped them revise. A spokesperson for Worcester Cathedral said the manuscript dates to the 14th century. The doodles in this instance helped a particular monk to revise for his exams. That's odd, isn't it? And there's a picture of it. It's quite, a, quite an amusing one. Now, over the last few months I've been reading things out, I've, we've come across a couple of times the story of prime hydration. 
and I know you were all agog to learn the latest <laughs> on this. So here we go. Um, it's from Saturday's newspaper, and the headline is Tight Security at City Store. Extra security has been put in place to cope with long queues of customers desperate to get their hands on bottles of prime hydration. A security guard has been stood at the door of Sainsbury's in Blackpool as desperate shoppers queue to get the drink. The supermarket in Windermere Road had a security guard monitoring the stand on Thursday. Long queues of people snaked around the superstore as people waited to get their, once again, their hands on the coveted hydration drink. A staff member said they sold out after replenishing the stock today and hoped to get a new order of the drink delivered. Over the past few months, the drink has only been sold in Asda in the UK and on the official website. Aldi had bottles of it as special buy, but the shelves were quickly cleared by the same desperate customers. The viral drink created by YouTubers KSI and Logan Paul has become a huge hit among young people, with many queuing up early in the morning whenever new stock lands. Sainsbury's has issued a three-drink-per-person cap on purchasing the drink, but this has not stopped the stock from selling out. On many of the stands, it reads, Maximum purchase, three units. Thank you for understanding. However, it seems shoppers in Barbon were less than impressed at the recent drink stock at their local Sainsbury's, with prime hydration from Tuesday still on the shelves. The convenience store still has a few bottles of the tropical punch flavour selling at £2.25 and orange and mango selling at £2.50. After the drink became immensely popular in America, the business partners decided to try their luck across the pond by launching the energy drink in the UK. And it's been flying off the shelves. KSI has spoken about the celebrity-endorsed drink in an episode of The Fellas podcast where he reacted to the popularity of the drink. He said, It's always sold out, man. Honestly, people are selling it on the black market. The only place you're meant to get prime is Asda and Arsenal Stadium. But people are getting it at petrol stations. Asda employees aren't even putting it on the shelves anymore. They're shipping it out low-key. They're like, what's the point? I put it on the shelf and it's gone instantly. So there we are. That is the latest update. Have you got a bottle? I have never tried it, no. no, no I'm one of the Barborn sort of area people oh, who... Right. You have not desperate to get your hands on the bottle. doesn't seem to have gone down well in Barborn at all, no. <laughs> anyway, never mind. We've got a balloon festival this year in Worcester and <clears throat> at least 50 hot air balloons will take to the skies above Worcester in May. Worcester Balloon Festival, which will take place for the first time since in 2023, said more than 50 balloonists have applied to be part of the event and the application process is still open. In a statement on Facebook, a spokesperson for the festival said, what an amazing response from the balloonists in our first year. We can't wait to fill the skies in Worcester on May the 12th and 13th at Worcester Racecourse. The festival has also announced that this will be attending two local schools to teach pupils all about hot air ballooning. It's a great opportunity for the children to get up and close and personal with the balloons and have fun. Schools wishing to apply are asked to email WorcesterBalloonFestival at gmail.com. As well as the balloons themselves, the festival is also expected to feature live arena entertainment, a fun fair local stalls, street food and drink stands, and fireworks and a circus workshop. The festival will open at 4pm on the Friday, 
with plans for an evening balloon ascent followed by a hot air balloon night glow. The night glow involves the balloons being illuminated like lanterns as they are choreographed to music, organisers stay. Friday will close with the fireworks before closing at 11pm. And Saturday will see an early start with the first balloon launch at 6am. Gates will open for the main event at 11am ahead of the full day of entertainment. The arena will host performances from motorcycle display teams, Stunt World and Jamie Squibb Freestyle, the American Civil War Society and the Got to Sing Choir. <coughs> Flotsam, the Fool's Circus Workshop, will also be running to provide classes on circus skills suitable for all ages alongside a funfair and a selection of local traders. Mass Balloon Ascent will take centre stage as the event's grand finale with all of the pilots taking to the air before a final balloon glow and fireworks display. Tickets are now on sale via skiddle.com. A popular zero-waste living shop in Worcester City Centre has officially opened in its new location. Packet Inn Zero Waste Living is now based at number two in the Corn Market after moving from their previous location in the gallery on the Shambles. Philippa Gilfillan, owner of Packet Inn, said, It's been really good. We had a small army of volunteers who helped us with painting, decorating, moving and setting up. It's been fantastic. And it's wonderful to be here and be so visible and more involved in the community. It's a great opportunity for us. The shop sells a wide range of food items, toiletries, detergents and lifestyle items which help people to live a more sustainable lifestyle and minimise waste. Mrs Gilfillan said, For those who may not know, we do unpackaged food and cleaning materials. You can bring your own container along, weigh it on a customer scale, refill it as much or as little as you want. You bring it to the till and just pay for the weight. Mrs Gilfillan said that she's hoping the new location will help Worcester residents consider more sustainable options. Hopefully a lot of people have been saying that we're now on a general route for shopping, so we're hoping it'll encourage people to live more sustainably. We always recommend people to start small and perhaps bring a bottle, like a washing up bottle, to weigh and refill. Do that for a few weeks and if there are other things you can build up more gradually. It's certainly not about all or nothing. You can build up gradually and see how you get on. The new shop was previously occupied by Be The Change's Baker Difference Bakery, which closed in 2022. The shop also has an online website and a home delivery service, which will be continuing. Right. <clears throat> well, when we were talking about headline stories, there was one about the travellers at Perdiswell Pers Leisure Centre. And this is an update from today, <coughs> Thursday, March the 2nd, uh, inside the paper. Travellers were still at a leisure centre car park in the city as the Worcester News went to press, despite being told they had to leave by 5pm yesterday, that's Wednesday. The group camping on Perdiswell Leisure Centre car park were told they had to go by 5pm yesterday at the latest. Caravans were still on the car park, children were playing and washing was billowing in wind when your Worcester News reporter visited at 5.30pm yesterday. The group arrived at the car park off Bilford Road, Worcester, on Sunday afternoon, February the 20th, 26th. 
So far, the group, which has brought several caravans, cars and campervans onto the private land, has remained three nights in the car park. A spokesperson for Worcester City Council said, City Council officers, accompanied by the police, have served legal notices on the travellers who have parked on the Purdeswell Leisure Centre car park without authorisation. The notices require them to leave the site by 5pm on Wednesday and to not return within three months. A spokesperson for West Mercia Police said police have carried out regular assurance patrols in the area. The local Safer Neighbourhood team have attended in the last hour and served a notice to the travellers, who've told police they intend to leave today or tomorrow. The situation on Sunday caused gridlock on Bilford Road, as you'll remember from the previous story, with staff and passers-by forming a human chain to try and stop them entering the site. Police blocked the entrance with a van to prevent caravans from continuing to enter, but eventually were forced to move to allow people to leave the car park. There are currently 11 large campervans parked in the car park off Bilford Road near the playing fields. Despite the large presence, landowners Worcester City Council said the encampment was unauthorised and the leisure centre run by Freedom Leisure, remains open. Phone use leads to fatal crashes. There have been 43 crashes, some fatal, caused in part by someone using a mobile phone at the wheel in the West Mercia Police Force area. West Mercia Police is supporting the National Police Chiefs Council, that's the NPCC, mobile phone operation over the next two weeks by targeting motorists who continue to use their handheld mobile phone at the wheel. Motorists caught using a handheld mobile phone while driving face a £200 fine and six points on their licence. Drivers caught twice face a lengthy ban, which could also lead to a £1,000 fine. New drivers, those who've passed within the past two years, face having their licence revoked if caught just once. New legislation adopted last year also makes it clear that the law includes using phones for reasons such as internet use, checking notifications and uploading content while driving. Superintendent Steph Brighton said, driving while distracted by a mobile phone is completely unacceptable and puts road users at risk of serious harm. Everyone knows the use of these mobile phones whilst driving is against the law and we are very clear that when you get behind the wheel it's your responsibility to stay focused and alert. The majority of drivers use the roads respectfully and adhere to the laws around mobile phone use, but it is concerning that we still have some drivers who are willing to risk driving whilst distracted. This is a year-round commitment for us to challenge this behaviour. Mm. And this is about the average council tax to go up for by £100. Um, the average council tax, as I said, is set to rise by almost £100 this year. Worcester City Council backed a £6 rise in its share of the bill for average Band D household at a meeting in the Guildhall on Tuesday, February the 21st, pushing the total increase for the next 12 months to just under £95. Worcestershire County Council approved its budget plans at a meeting in County Hall last week with its share, which is the biggest and pays for education, social care and transport, rising to £1,465.78p for Band D households, an increase of £69 on last year. 
the cost of policing is also set to rise, with the average household asked to pay an extra £15 in the next year, with the region's fire service requesting an extra £5 from residents to cover its costs. Council tax bills are split between the city and county councils, as well as parishes for residents living in Warnden and St Peter's, as well as West Mercia Police and Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service. The total bill for Band D households in Worcester will be £2,031.57p for the next 12 months, with £1,465.78 going to Worcestershire County Council and £206.89 going to Worcester City Council. £94.40 going to Hereford and Worcester Fire and Rescue Service and £264.50 going to West Mercia Police. The monthly council tax costs for residents will be just under £170, with Band D households paying an extra £95 more than they did last year. Worcestershire County Council set its £400,000.8 million budget on February the 16th, including a 4.94% increase in its share of the council tax, with 2% ring-fenced for adult social care. Despite the proposed rise in council tax from April, the County Council revealed it would still be facing a £68 million hole in the next 12 months and would only balance its budgets by making cuts and through government support. Council bosses said £22 million would have to be cut or saved from next year's budget and a further £45 million would have to be slashed from the budget in the following three years. Nature, history and beauty will be celebrated this Easter at National Trust properties across Worcestershire. Every single National Trust Easter trail is different and celebrates nature, history and beauty. Follow winding garden paths, crash along muddy woodland trails or time travel with adventures to castles, towers and mansions. And, of course, each National Trust Easter Trail ends with a chocolate egg or a vegan and free from egg, made in the UK using cocoa that's responsibly sourced from Rainforest Alliance certified farms. National Trust Easter Egg Trails cost £3 per child, plus the normal National Trust admission, free entry for National Trust members. The nearest National Trust properties that are taking part in Worcestershire Worcestershire's Cotton Court, Croom and Hanbury Hall and Gardens in Droitwich. It's best to contact either the National Trust website or the individual property for the dates that the trails are taking place because each one is doing a slightly different timetable. But that's something to look out for over the Easter holidays. Over to you, Catherine. And here's something a little bit later in the year. A celebration of all things vintage is coming to the Seven Valley Railway this summer as the popular Step Back to the 1940s weekends return. The 16-mile line and all of its stations will host a festival of 40s-themed fun with music, dancing, food, displays, vehicles and costumed reenactors on June the 24th and 25th and July the 1st and 2nd. Visitors are encouraged to dress up in 1940s outfits to get fully into the spirit. 
passengers will be able to hop on and off the exclusively steam-hauled services as they choose, catching all sorts of activities throughout the day, including speeches by Winston Churchill, 1940s singers and dancers, a wartime wedding and fun jitterbug sessions. In a Seven Valley first, throughout the June weekend, there'll be a replica Spitfire plane on display outside the engine house at Hiley, along with an iconic Merlin engine. During the July weekend, this space will be taken up with a range of vintage fairground games, such as Swing Boats, Hooker Duck and Tin Can Alley. A star attraction will be the SVR's home-based locomotive Tor Valley. It's been transformed from last year's purple livery in honour of the Queen's Platinum Jubilee into a wartime black colour. On the Saturday evening of both weekends, Kidderminster Station will also host big band shows. Daytime and big band show tickets are available now at svr.co.uk with discounts for advance and multi-day bookings. Thanks, Catherine. Friday's newspaper, Aid Reaches Quake Zone. Thousands of pounds raised by a Worcester cafe have reached Turkey, and the moment the money was distributed to buy goods for earthquake survivors has been caught on film. Mustafa Gokman, who runs Elgar Coffee Shop in Reindeer Court and is from Turkey, has raised a staggering £2,600 for people badly affected by the multiple Turkey and Syrian earthquakes. He said he would not have raised so much were it not for the people's generosity in Worcester. Mr Gokmen initially decided to raise money as he attempted to contact a friend living in a village badly affected by the tremors. He said, Yesterday I turned on the TV and saw a mum and her son in hospital side by side. The boy had lost both of his legs, and to be honest I had to turn off the TV. It was very sad. I am happy to know the items are going to a good place to help those people. Thousands of people were made homeless by the massive earthquake that struck Turkey and Syria over two weeks ago. Two days ago, another earthquake left more people trapped under more rubble. Many people are packed into crowded tents or lined up in the streets for hot meals. The supporters overwhelmed staff as people have been visiting the coffee shop not for a drink, but to donate money to help those in need. Of the £2,600 raised, various clothes like vest tops, underwear, sandals, medical supplies and containers to carry fresh water have been brought to Turkey to go to the front line. Some of the hundreds of items brought to help survivors have been personalised to fit individual needs. One of these items is a walking stick for a child who has developed a bad limp since the earthquake happened. Those working at the cafe has volunteered all their tips and donated part of their wages to help those in Turkey. Mr Gokmen added, Thank you to all the staff who said they did not want their tips. I'm so happy with everyone who has come in to say that they are upset with what has happened and donated. Thank you to Worcester News. They have helped everybody out. And this is Why Are There So Many Roadworks? Drivers have been left frustrated by the copious amounts of roadworks taking place in Worcester recently. Temporary lights have been causing traffic chaos on London Road, while Cadent Gas is carrying out repair works. Roadworks have also been taking place on Bath Road, Shrubbery Avenue, Tudor Way on Dines Green and Astwood Road this month. Drivers have noticed an increase in roadworks taking place recently and now Worcestershire County Council has revealed why this is the case. The council said more roadworks are being carried out because it's half-term 
and there is less traffic on the road. A spokesperson for Worcestershire County Council said, The County Council always seeks to plan and manage roadworks to minimise delays to the travelling public, and the most disruptive works are generally planned during school holidays where traffic is reduced. It is not always possible, however, to schedule all activities within school holidays, and some of the current works in Worcester are emergency works, which need to be completed at the earliest opportunity. Thank you, Jane. Well, that pretty much concludes most of the general news, although before we start the sport, this is a kind of hybrid sport sport news item, so it kind of links the two. And it's about the race horse owner Jim Lewis, who has died. The owner of legendary Cheltenham Gold Cup winner Best Mate, Jim Lewis, has died aged 88. Best Mate is renowned as one of the greatest horses in Cheltenham Festival history, winning three Gold Cups in succession back in 2002, 2003 and 2004. Trained by Henrietta Knight and ridden by Jim Colotti, the horse ran in the claret and blue colours of Mr Lewis's beloved Aston Villa. Jim Lewis also enjoyed success in the sport of horse racing with the likes of Edredon Bleu, who won the Queen Mother Champions Chase at Cheltenham in 2000, and the 2003 King George VI Chase and Impec. Mr Lewis reportedly died of kidney failure, according to sources close to the family. Brian Tung, a close friend of Mr Lewis, told the Worcester News that he will cherish the moments we shared. Jim was very special to me. He took me under his wing from a young age, taking me to the home of some of the biggest stables and biggest race meetings, which has helped me build up contacts in the sport. I'd like to say thanks to him and I will cherish all the moments we shared. I have lots of fond memories. Jim served as a patron at St Richard's Hospice for more than 10 years and with Best Mate he won three Cheltenham Gold Cups. He also sponsored the Best Mate building, which is used for family support at the hospice. Best Mate, who will forever remain in Cheltenham racing folklore, was the first horse to win the Gold Cup more than once since Lescargo in 1970 and 71. The 10-year-old died back in 2005 of a suspected heart attack after being pulled up whilst competing in the Gold Cup at Exeter Racecourse on the 1st of November. Mr Lewis used to celebrate Best Mate's victories in the old bush pub in Callow End. Trainer Knight paid tribute to Mr Lewis in the Racing Post, describing the owner as a colourful person. She said, We had some fantastic days and he had some very good horses. In my eyes, Edredon Bleu was every bit as good as Best Mate and we had a lot of fun. Jim was very superstitious and always wore the same scarf to the races. He loved his racing and his horses. He was a very straightforward owner to deal with and we kept in constant contact in those days via handwritten faxes. He was a colourful person who was good for the game and part of the jumping scene. He had huge patience too and would always give them more time. And now we'll have some more up-to-date sport, Catherine. Mm, another, well, a rugby story. At Stourbridge Rugby Football Club vow not to hurry six ways move, promise to do due, due diligence and keep their members informed. Members of the management committee at Stourbridge met with Bill Sweeney and the Rugby Football Union representatives on Friday evening. 
The meeting saw both parties touch base amidst proposals to relocate the club's first team to Six Ways under the Worcester Warriors' name by the new owners Jim O'Toole and James Sandford Atlas. Club chairman Miles Edge was keen to emphasise that the meeting was very much an introductory one with plenty of things to happen before any decision-making process. The Rugby Football Union came and met our management committee to touch base on the situation, he said. There are lots of things yet to happen on both ends, the RFU, Atlas and ourselves, but this is obviously an opportunity for the club. Covid and injuries have impacted us as well as other factors and obviously you look at our club and see what we should be capable of. But nothing will be done before we do our own due diligence and we put everything in front of our members. There remains no date on a vote with the details of the agreement still being written up. Atlas themselves are still in a 90-day completion period to confirm their takeover at Six Ways and the RFU are still to sanction the deal after turning down their application for Warriors to play in the championship earlier this month. So this process still has a way to go before anything can begin to move forward. Starbridge remain at the bottom of the National League too after a 17-10 defeat to Lucktonians on Saturday. There remain favourites to be relegated from the semi-professional game and into Midlands 1, one league above the likes of Worcester, Malvern, Droitwich and Evesham. However, Atlas have specified that will have little impact on any of the future plans. Cricket now. Busy pre-season, Worcestershire Cricket Club announced full and varied warm-up programme ahead of their 2023 campaign. Worcestershire County Cricket Club have announced their pre-season programme. The pairs will take in 12 days of red and white ball cricket over six matches as they gear up for the new campaign. A busy march will see Worcestershire take on Gloucestershire and Northamptonshire before a double header against local rivals Warwickshire. Head coach Alan Richardson said... We're trying to get a nice mix of red ball and white ball cricket. By the time we finish the Warwickshire games, we will have just over a week before the first county championship match against Derbyshire. I think that's a nice build-up and one that is realistic for us. Following a winter of indoor training at Malvern, the squad will move their practice outdoors from March the 13th in Kidderminster. They will then launch their pre-season games with two T20 fixtures against Gloucestershire, both at Bristol on March 20th. This will be followed by two overlapping games versus Oxford, UCCE at the Parks, that's in Oxford, and Northamptonshire at Wantage Road, giving the entire squad a chance to feature. The schedule follows last year's pattern in which Worcestershire were in action away to Oxford, UCCE, and Hampshire simultaneously. I went to the Oxford game, it was so warm you wouldn't believe it in March, wonderful day. A similar, similar formula will also apply when Worcestershire face Warwickshire in two matches March 27th, 29th, one at Edgbaston and the other at Portland Road. The programme begins after several of the players take in a week-long training camp at Desert Springs in Spain. Many of the others have played abroad at various stages over the winter in either international, franchise or grade cricket. Richardson added, fingers crossed the weather plays ball with us and we get some time to have some practice outside. But for the majority of lads who've been overseas this winter, they won't be back until we go to Kidderminster on the 13th. If we do miss a bit of cricket for those players, it won't be the end of the world. 
This is about Worcester Raiders football team. The Worcester Raiders manager, Carl Gormley, is keen for his side to not let the season peter out, despite seeing their promotion hopes being buried in recent weeks. Raiders have lost three of their last four games in the Hellenic League Premier, a run that has seen them fall away from the top two in the division. But a 7-0 win over Chipping Sodbury Town last Saturday lifted the rather sombre mood and now Gormley wants to see his side push on to finish the 2022-23 campaign as well as possible. It's been a difficult couple of weeks and you don't always get what you deserve in football, he said. But we went out there with a game plan on Saturday and it worked. And we're over the moon with a performance, scoring seven goals. It's vital we go on a run now. We spoke to the lads at training and we don't want this season to peter out. We've worked so hard to get to this position. If we can finish third, it will be a massive achievement for us. A lot of people wrote us off before the season started, so finishing as high as possible is really important to the club. Brilliant. Thank you all for the sport, and we will move on to a bit more information, and starting with the sunset and sunrise times. So today on March the 2nd, that's Thursday, the sun rose at 6.54am and sets in the evening at 5.50pm. We're creeping up slowly but surely to that hour going which way? Backwards or forwards? Forwards, forwards. yes, forwards, spring forwards. Forward. Absolutely. Um, and oh, I was going to say thought for the day. Um, I'll do that because it's sitting in front of me. So the thought for this week is from John 8 verses 12 onwards. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And on to the birthday list. And I'm so disappointed because I love reading out birthdays and there isn't one for this week. So if you do have a birthday any time in the early part of March, please let us know. And then next year I can have the pleasure of reading it out. I think that just about brings us to the end of this week's recording. So um, it's a goodbye from me, Pippa, and goodbye from Catherine. Bye. And Phil. Goodbye. And Jane. Goodbye. And John is waving frantically from the other side of the bar, sending you his goodbyes as well. Hope you have a very good week, and if you want to hear the obituaries, they will follow after the closing music. Goodbye. Here are the obituaries for this week. Janet Jones, née Palmer. Jan died on the 23rd of February, age 70. The funeral will be at Worcester Crematorium on the 14th of March at 11.30am. Charles Edward Jones passed away peacefully in St Richard's Hospice on the 18th of February, aged 86. The funeral service will take place at Worcester Crematorium on Friday the 31st of March at 10.45am. Family flowers only, please. But donations to St Richard's Hospice may be left on the collection plate. For any inquiries, please contact Co-op Funeral Care, Lowersmore, Worcester, 01905 22137. 
Denver Roderick Roberry, late of Whittington, Worcester, aged 73 years, passed away peacefully at St Richard's Hospice on January the 27th. The funeral will be held at Worcester Crematorium on March the 13th at 1.45pm. No flowers, please, but charitable donations to St Richard's Hospice, Worcester. A collection for St Richard's will also be available at the service. All inquiries to AV Band, Worcester. Colin James Proud passed away peacefully on the 13th of February. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium on Tuesday the 28th of March 2023 at 10.45am. Family flowers only, but donations to Worcester Animal Rescue Centre can be left at the service. All inquiries to the co-op funeral care. Jean Secular passed away peacefully on the 21st of February. The funeral service will be at Worcester Crematorium Chapel on Monday the 6th of March at 1215 followed by interment at Astwood Cemetery. Family flowers only, please, but donations, if desired, for Parkinson's UK may be left on the collection plate at the chapel or sent to E.J. Gummery & Son, 6870 Ombersley Road, Worcester, WR3 7EU. (laughs) 